since we've been more vocal, since we told people, we are getting so much support and encouragement and, and actually being like, well done for speaking about it because it has to be spoken about and everything. So it does, but that doesn't make it easy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's yeah. right. <laughs> friends and welcome back to another episode of pickles and vodka the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations and sometimes they just skip two weeks of episodes altogether because life is a mess uh (laughs) i'm christina your host and i am totally guilty of stepping away from the podcast for a little bit it only was supposed to be one week And then another week passed by, and I still didn't feel like publishing an episode, even though I said I would. So this is a little late in coming, but I know you all understand. We all have those days sometimes, or in my case, those weeks. I won't go too much into the reasons why I skipped a couple weeks. Fang, do you want to be on the podcast? I swear my cat waits until I'm recording to start screaming at me. Um, See, I lost my train of thought. It's hard enough to record this as it is. Um, Yeah, I I don't want to go into too many details because it would take me a long time and I'm going to save it for a solo episode next week. But I'll just say this. It's been fucking rough. (laughs) I have been through quite a lot this year. In fact, I think this has been the craziest year of the decade. I think it's safe to say. Um, And while I'm doing okay, it's just really been getting to me. I'm starting to feel extremely tired and over this shit. Uh, The phrase that I keep using is life on hard mode. Like, I'm tired of playing life on hard mode. I just want a little break. Is that too much to ask? Apparently. I'm incredibly fortunate to be close to my family, and I've been driving over to my parents' house almost every day to just hang out there in a safe environment. And I've been watching a World War II docuseries with my dad and walking with my mom, and it's just been a pretty nice distraction. But... With that said, I did miss the podcast, and I I always feel guilty when I have to step away for a little bit, even though I I never doubt that y'all understand. But one of the things I've been realizing during the last few weeks is that when life is crazy, that's kind of where I thrive. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I definitely spiral downward. And it's really hard for me not to pursue toxic coping mechanisms when my life is crazy. But at the same time, because growing up, my family was always kind of in a crisis, I I feel in some sick way more normal when everything around me is falling down. And the the past few weeks definitely made it clear. (laughs) So yeah, I will tell you everything next week hold on to your horses because it's gonna be a fucking doozy but for now 
Um, I, let's talk about my guest today. His name is Jeremy Andre, and he reached out to me on Reddit a while ago when I was asking for stories related to birth and abortion and the, all the mental health things that go along with that. My last two episodes prior to this, not including the solo episode, but my last two episodes before that were my conversation with my friend Mary, who went into great detail about her abortion. And uh, again, I'm just blown away by her strength and vulnerability. And uh, as always, just incredibly grateful that people like her keep sharing with me. Because that's a big deal. I mean, most of the people that I have on don't really know me. Or if they do, we've only talked online. And so I'm so grateful that people trust me enough to tell me their stories. And today's guest is definitely no exception. Um, Jeremy talks to me about him and his wife's efforts to start a family and all the barriers that they came up against. And it's a really heavy episode. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff without getting heavy. Uh, which is another reason that I think I waited to release it because I didn't want to throw too much at you or my, myself. But it's it's a really amazing story and it actually taught me a lot. I think I've mentioned it before. I am not someone who ever wants kids and it's a real perspective shift to put myself in the shoes of someone who really wants kids and it's pretty clear that it's really important to him and his wife, Rosie. So yeah, last night I had a quite a lot of things I wanted to talk about in this intro, but of course I can't remember any of them right now. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into my interview with Jeremy. I hope you are all having a wonderful start to the holiday season. I know it can be a really rough time in the year, especially if you deal with mental health struggles. And so next week, uh, when I give you my solo episode, I'm also going to be doing a little digging into some coping mechanisms that you can employ during this time. If you have any, send them my way. I think last year I made a similar request and it was really encouraging to see some of the ideas that y'all came up with. So uh, DM me on Instagram at Pickles and Vodka Podcast. You know where to find me. And here is my interview with Jeremy. Enjoy. Oh, all right. Uh, so welcome to Pickles and Vodka podcast. Thank you for having me. We spoke briefly on Reddit um, and you told me a little bit about your story with you and your wife and some difficulties you've had. So um, I want to get into that. But first, I want to find out just about you. So can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Say your name, where you live, whatever else you want to include. <laughs> For sure. Um, so my name is Jeremy. I'm French. I currently live kind of nowhere. <laughs> oh. It's kind of interesting. I basically, I've been living for three years in Miami, Florida, and I left in May, so about four months ago, to go traveling the world with my wife. Uh, we are planning a big trip around the world, but we came back to Europe uh, just to spend time with family because with COVID, we didn't see our family for like 18 months. So yeah. we've been, we needed some family time, you know? So yeah, we are enjoying some 
time with the family and friends right now. And we're going to hop on a flight in a few weeks, probably to go traveling. Yeah, that's going to be interesting with uh, like Delta and everything. Um, yeah. For a while, I know things were opening back up, but now, like, where where are you currently? So right now I'm in France. Okay, uh, at your parents' house, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we were planning actually a trip around Southeast Asia, but everything is still closed over there. Yeah. And countries are still closed, so it's it's unlikely to happen. So plan B is going to be Central and South America. All which right. is more open. So yeah, we, we need to get into the planning actually because we literally didn't plan anything yet. <laughs> Sometimes the best things happen when you're not planning it, you know? Yeah. Where is your wife from? UK. And we met in Australia to make it easy. That's right. <laughs> I am, I'm super curious about how you met. Um, but first, I want to continue to ask you about yourself and specifically your history with mental health. Um, usually I ask people was mental health talked about in their family growing up? And like, what's your relationship to it? I mean, it's kind of funny that you're in your parents' house right now and I'm asking you this. <laughs> no, yeah. And I mean, you it is a really current question. So it's actually <laughs> interesting. No, um, so I'm an, I'm an only child and I grew up with two parents that didn't express any emotions at all. Never been told I love you by my parents. It's just not a thing. Uh, we show love, but we don't say it. Like we all love each other, but we don't say it. And yeah. for years, I'm 33 right now. And for 31 years, it's been like that, <laughs> literally. Wow. And, and it was really interesting because obviously I, I grew up with the sense of emotion equal weakness, like crying in front of people, um, just expressing whatever you feel is a sign of weakness and yeah. This is just not something you do, right? So you're okay every time, you know, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, especially so. as a man, it doesn't make it easy to express emotions anyways, but it sounds like that was kind of the culture of your house. Yeah, and it was the same, both for my mom and dad, like same story. It's not even one more than the other one or anything like that. It's not like my dad is the manly one and my mom is emotional or whatever. No, they're both the same. So it didn't Interesting. Really help. And actually like meeting my wife was really helpful for that because she grew up in a totally different environment where she says, I love you to everyone. And it was such a shocker for me at the beginning. It's like, you really love a lot of people. That's strange. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Like when I say I love you, I really mean it because I don't say it often, you know, and yeah. it was really confusing at the time. And it took me, like I said, 31 years. And in, in Miami, two years ago, I did personal development training uh, that a friend suggested. And that was a transformation for me. What kind of training was it? It was called gratitude training. Gratitude training. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it was amazing, actually. So it, it's called gratitude training, but it's not just about gratitude. It's really like something like a self-development training where you can find whatever you want there. And I went there with no expectation. I went there, honestly, because the first weekend was free. Someone gifted me like the thing. So yeah, you, you can go for free. I was like, okay, I'm I'm just going because I don't have anything else to do. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, why not? And you know, it's one of those places where you say like, it's not going to work on me. <laughs> and after a few hours, it's like, oh my God. That, You're just yeah. crying and yeah. shriveled up <laughs> yeah. in a ball. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that was me and i was like god damn it how did it do that <laughs> and that's the first time i actually realized the this the storyline i had in my head about emotions or weakness and you don't yeah. want to show any sign of weakness to people that was just a story that was just the way i was educated but it was not the truth you know and there's another way and and seeing so many people being able to express themselves and actually being even more connected because they were able to express themselves and everything that was really life-changing and really really opened my eyes about the whole showing emotions picking my truth saying if i don't feel okay to someone that's fine you know they're not gonna judge me and and everything that was life-changing and i mean i'm uh, you know, I, I still have work to do, but of course, everyone now does. I'm aware of it. I think more than anything is just now I'm aware of yeah. how I was in a sense when before I thought that was normal. That was yeah. just how I was supposed to be. And that was it. The fact that I've seen another way I can explore this road, you know, I'm just trying to imagine because I'm the oldest of seven kids and my family is very vocal about everything. Um, not just uh, they all love you and everything, but uh, every kind of emotion, almost too much so. But the point is, I never felt like I couldn't express myself emotionally. So I'm trying to imagine what it would be like for you all those years, because, you know, you didn't really start to explore this side of yourself till you were 31. That's a long time. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> what I came to realize is I was missing real connections and real friendships with people. Like I had friends, but the new friends that I have since I did this training and the people I met during the training, after the training, those friendships are way stronger and deeper than previous ones. With my previous friends, it was just, you know, house life, housework, all the small talk and the sports and things like that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Good. Let's have a drink. That was about it. Like with the friends I've met after that, like, we don't even talk about that. I don't care how your work is going. It's, you know, tell me how you're feeling today. Like, or tell me what you're struggling with or what's your biggest dream. Like, I don't know, like real connections with people. And that's been like amazing to see that it was possible for a start because I didn't know that was a possibility. <laughs> I've realized that I missed out on that. So what I'm trying to do now is the few friends that I have for like before that, I'm trying to build deeper connection with them because i mean they've been part of my life for you know 10 15 years some of them yeah and i feel i actually don't know them that much in a sense and they don't know me that much as well how has that been trying to kind of revitalize those relationships well first not easy because it's not easy when you're let's say behaving a certain way for 10 years with someone and suddenly you kind of shift it's like confusing for yeah. me and for them it's been fine most of the time. I mean, um, I've also realized that actually some people, I don't really want them in my life anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's also a good thing. Yeah. That's something I've learned is that it's okay to move on. It's not because we've been friends for 15 years that we need to be friends for another 50. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten was that not all relationships are supposed to last forever. And that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong or that there's anything wrong with you or the other person. Just sometimes relationships run their course and that's totally normal. Yeah. And people change. And and sometimes it's okay to change in different ways. And, you know, like we were friends at some point and then we both want something different or whatever. And we're going to take another path. But it doesn't mean that what we had was fake or whatever. Exactly. So I'm really curious how your parents are reacting to this new and improved Jeremy. 
So it's actually really interesting because that's where I'm struggling the most uh, with them. But something <laughs> quite interesting is during the training, we had some like tasks to do, like some little challenges, you know, to, well, grow. <laughs> yeah. And one of them at some point during the training was, I need to say, I love you to my parents, something I've never told them before. Now, even when I got married and everything, I've never, it never came out of my mouth. Oh my God. And I was like, so I was in Miami, though in France. So I had to do it like over the phone because yeah, I just couldn't come back and everything. Yeah. But I was making all the excuses I could not to do it. Honestly, I was like, yeah, I'm going to call them on Monday. And on Monday, I don't know, I came up with a really good bullshit story. So I could call yeah. them the day after. And at some point, my wife was like, just call them. <laughs> she, like, she was like kicking my ass saying, like, just damn call them. And I was honestly terrified of the reaction, which is silly when I think about it. Like, what was they going to say? Oh, you're not my son anymore because you tell me I love you. You know, like when you think about it, it's obviously nothing bad was going to happen, right? That doesn't make it any less scary. But I was terrified. I, I can <laughs> I swear. So I FaceTimed them. We have some small talk and everything. And I'm like, I've got to tell you something. Um, oh my God. My wife was next to me, like holding my hand. I was like, sweaty. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I said something along the line of, you've been there my entire life. You know, you, if I am in Miami today with my wife and everything, and if I have the life I have right now, it's thanks to you because you gave me everything and stuff. And I, I really want to say that I love you guys. In, in, I said that in French. And, and my dad was like, oh, all that for that. It's just what you... Okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> they didn't oh say it back, God. though, which was interesting. Well, you can't expect it. They'll, they'll get there. No. You know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't expect it. Yeah. It was such a relief, though. I can tell you that. I felt so much lighter after. And now it's still not easy, but I put it here and there when I have Just the strength sprinkle it to in. do it. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything the last, you know, year and a half has taught us, it's that you need to say I love you while you can, because you don't know how long we're going to be around. You know, anything can happen, as we've seen. And I mean, my parents are older and they're, you know, late 60s, 70s. And so I tell them I love them all the time, you know, maybe more than I did before, because you really don't know how much time For you sure. have with someone. And I mean, I, 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 I can tell you even more is that actually my mom tried to commit suicide a few months ago that's mm. one of the reasons I had to come back and she's okay luckily but obviously when I had the news that came through my mind I was like damn I'm glad I told her because yeah you never know you have no clue what's gonna happen this is your interview. I don't want to pry too much into your family affairs, but did you, any of you see it coming? No, not at all. Wow. I can't even imagine. I was away also. So, you know, I mean, I was having one phone call a week with them for the past two years because of COVID and everything. So yeah. it was even harder for me. But no, honestly, like no clue. Even my dad that's here 24-7. No one. And have they have they talked about it since then? or? Yeah, it, it took a while. But I mean, I, I came back. I've been here since that happened and not easy. I know now it's important to talk about it. So it was interesting to find the right balance. I think now I have tools to deal with it more than I had, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. 
but it's still not easy, especially when it's, you know, people that you love like that is so, so hard. And I can't even imagine your parent. Oh, I'm sorry. And I, I'm glad she's okay. And I'm glad that you're all, you Same. all seem to be embarking on this emotional journey together, which I think is really interesting. It's a hell of a roller coaster for sure. So I'm not really familiar with France. Um, I'm wondering what the culture is there in terms of mental health. Like are people, is it pretty typical for people to be kind of tight-lipped about that stuff? Uh, where I come from in the south of France, because a lot of people here come or immigrant from like Spain or Portugal, stuff like that. And it's something that I've seen in many Latin culture, the, you know, like men or men. So yeah. they don't cry and everything is this culture that is there in all those Latin country. And I can clearly see my dad is Portuguese and all my grandparents were either Portuguese or, or Spanish. So that's for sure something you can see in the region. I mean, I think honestly, mental health is still a taboo in the world. You generally don't speak much about how you feel. And now something interesting that I just actually thought is in France, we're pretty lucky that healthcare is free, like pretty much 100% free. You know, like we have a really good healthcare system. Right. But actually, if you want to go see a psychologist, you have to pay for it. This is one of the, the only thing that's not reimbursed. That, Talk um, about stigma. So yeah. And I, I, I've never known before that. And it's because my mom had to go to see a, a psychologist after that, that I, I found out. And that was interesting. That's crazy. So are they considered like a specialist, I guess? Yeah. It's not, you know, a necessity or whatever. So you don't need to have, yeah, it's a choice if you go, so you pay for it. That's crazy. I mean, obviously we have to pay for healthcare here, which is a whole other episode, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you do need any sort of specialized mental health care, it's, it's just not an option for someone like me who makes the kind of money I make. It's like, and I'm doing pretty well and I still can't afford it. You know, like it's really sad uh, and scary. But I find interesting that, for example, like if you want to see, I don't know, like a chiropractor, you know, or something yeah. like that, you, it's, you're going to be paid back. He is going to be free, but not a psychologist. It's not much different. You know, one is working with your muscles. The other one is working with your brain, but exactly. it's the same job in a sense, right? Yeah. Which one is the most important? <laughs> I mean, you know, I won't challenge that. I won't go this way, but you know, uh, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So... Your wife comes from the complete opposite background, you said. Yeah. So how long have you known her? Tell me your story. <laughs> no. So in 2010, 11 years ago, I was doing my master's degree in robotic science in France. And I decided to spend a semester in Australia because I wanted to learn English. I didn't speak a word of English at the time. I mean, just really basic, like, hey, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So I really wanted to learn English and Australia has been a dream of mine since I was a little kid. I had the opportunity to go there. So I grabbed it and I went from March to August, 2010 in Sydney, Australia. I got there. I spent a week in an hostel looking for an apartment and I found a place with six other people. And a week later, this English girl come through the door to visit the place to rent a bed in the, in the apartment. So that's how we met. She was also traveling basically for like six months on the side as well. And we just happened to be roommate. And yeah, <laughs> we got along and one night we kissed, we got together and we spent like two months together over there. And then she left in July. I was staying for two extra months. And we were like, how, how is that going to work? Like I'm going back to France for my 
final year, you're going back to the UK yeah. saying, how are we going to do that? Like, are we just having fun and that's it, you know? And I did, none of us went there to find love, you know, it was just yeah. 22 years old, you know, I didn't expect it to be married to her now, you know, at all. But we loved each other and we were like, let's try to make it work. So we came back. I was going to England every other weekend. She was coming to France every other weekend. So we were like seeing each other here and there for six months. And then I went to the UK for my final semester. And then we moved to Paris for one year. Uh, I got my first job over there. And she came. She learned French, which was helpful because my parents don't speak a word of English. So <laughs> just casually learns French. <laughs> I mean, it's, she hates it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard to learn. I've got to confess. I, I so. took five years in of French and I barely know anything. Yeah, like, it's, it's one of the hardest language to learn, I think, apart from like maybe Russian and Chinese and stuff like yeah. that. But it's it's extremely hard for sure. I I agree on that. So yeah, one year in Paris, and then we spent six years in the south of France, where we bought a place, we got married six years ago, and then the last three years in Miami. Why Miami? I had a job opportunity over there. Uh, I was working for a French company in the south of France. And after three years, they had a plan to open an office in Miami. And they basically asked me if I wanted to go with them over there to open the thing. I was like, I'm, I'm coming right now. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's worse places to be offered a job, you know. When they told me, like, I was packing my bag already, I was like, I'm coming. When am I leaving? When actually my wife didn't want to go. Oh, my, no, wait, she didn't want to go? Not that she didn't want to go, but in Europe in general, the image that we have on TV from the for, about the US is not a great one. You know? I can imagine, yeah. All we hear about is when you look at Miami on TV, it's just spring break and those kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's not the best ads, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not too far off, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's more to that. There's yeah, more than yeah. that. And so, yeah, like we, we just didn't know. Like, we've never been to Miami before and everything. So she was more a bit like, I like to go first for a week and see how it is. And then and then we decide. So, yeah, we went for a week in August 2017. And after two days, she was like, okay, we're moving. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Sold. So you both are travelers you like to travel yeah. that's your thing so over the years living in all these different places have you ever felt like settling down in one place or are you both happy with moving around all the time well that, that's going to bring everything together um when we moved from paris to the south of france to nine years ago we rented a place for three years i had a good job she had a good job we were happy over there. We had friends and everything. We, we liked it. There. Life was good, you know? Uh, so we thought, okay, let's, let's buy something. We, we're going to be there for a while. There's no point to rent and everything. So we, we bought a place in 2014. And then in 2015, we got married. So, you know, we all checking all the boxes. Yeah. And in 2016, we went for our honeymoon and we thought, all right, let's, we both felt ready to have kids. So yeah, we started to try to have kids in 2016. And yeah, I mean, that was the, the plan was really to stay in this region over there and in Provence. And we thought that was going to be our life for, I don't know, our entire life, but you know, for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we thought we were going to settle down over there for sure. Things didn't go as planned. So in 2016, uh, at the end of summer, my wife, Rosie, was pregnant and 
she had a miscarriage. We found out she was pregnant on a Friday night and on a Monday she miscarried. So that was, oh, wow. it was the first one, you know, so you, you always think these things only happen to other people. It's not going to happen to you. We were so excited. We found out we did the test on a Friday, the Saturday we went shopping, like we bought like a little thing and we start to look at name, you know, like you get excited. It's normal. Yeah. And, it's your first one. Yeah. So obviously like that was really a pretty bad experience, especially for her. I've got to say more than me because um, things always happen at the worst time. And actually when she had the miscarriage, I was away for work. Mm. I, I called my uncle and my auntie. She went to see her because I was really far away. Also, I could not even take a plane and come back in two hours, whatever. I, I had no way to be back. Yeah. So it was really, really hard for her. And I think also it was harder for her because she felt pregnant. She was physically pregnant when for me, you know, it was just, it was yeah. not real yet for me, to be honest. So that was really tough for her. So that was at the end of August, 2016. And a few months later, we tried again by October, November, 2016. And she got pregnant uh, pretty quickly after that. Uh, so this time, no excitement when we read pregnant on the test. We were really cautious about like We're not telling anyone. We are not right. getting excited yet. We're going to wait for the first scan to turn on the excitement. So the 12 first weeks went really well. Went for the scan. Healthy baby, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's be happy. Let's call mom and dad and everyone. Hey, we're pregnant. We get excited. We look for names. We... All over All again. the things. Yeah. And everything was going well. You could see the bum come in and all great until we had the second scan. So in France, you have the second scan at about 22 weeks. Okay. So we went for the scan and the midwife or the nurse was, you know, checking everything. And that's when they measure like everything, basically, like they really check the size of the baby, the size of the bones of of everything so it's it was really long yeah and she was she told us like at the beginning like this is what i need to focus on so just let me do my thing and then we talk you know so it's okay so you know you see a blurry screen so you have no clue what you're looking at so you just wait basically and at the end she said so i've, I've got bad news oh fuck, okay what's going on now and she basically told us that she didn't know exactly what it was yet but she said there is a heart problem and some bones are really too short. I don't know what it is. We need to investigate more, but there's something not right with the pregnancy. So we were like devastated. Like, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how we felt. Like the drive back from the clinic was the longest 10 minutes. Like it was just horrible. Yeah. So we called family and I, I, I told my managers I was not going to come to the office, obviously. Yeah. And we spent like um, the next few days having extra tests, scans, and we went to see like a heart doctor, like specializing heart for babies and everything. And after about two weeks, we basically found out that my wife and I, Rosie and I, we are both carrying a gene, a really weird thing that when it gets mixed up, it's creating this very rare genetic disorder oh wow it's called uh elise van crevel syndrome there are only a few hundred cases in the world what we have more chance to win the lottery than to have dice the most random thing you can think of i i remember like some some stats because i was so blown away you know when you're pregnant and you do a test for down syndrome 
yeah. they tell you one chance out of like 7,000, you're not going to get it. It's fine. The chance to have this disease, one, one out of like 500,000, something like that. It's just no way. Why? And yeah, we happen to both carry this thing that if you get mixed up, is creating this disease. Is and, that and, like and, a like a recessive gene? It's been a year since I took biology, but I, I, it's when like by yourself, it doesn't really do anything. But then when you combine right, it with someone right. else who has it. So yeah. basically it's you have a 25% chance to happen. Like if the baby get the gene from me, but not from her, it's going to be okay. Right. From her, but not from me, no. But if we both give it to the baby, it's going to be, yeah, the, oh, the, the disorder is happening. Devastating so, doesn't even begin to describe. No, I mean, we, yeah, like it, the main thing was why us, you know, why is it happening to us, honestly? Like we wanted this baby so bad and he, he was a little boy. Oh. And we wanted him so badly. And to be honest, like the way we're thinking is also, you know, you see so many people, for example, who don't want a kid. You saw, you, and then the pregnant, or yeah. you see so many people that have kids, and honestly, like maybe they shouldn't, and everything. And you have here like a couple that won one, and and it's just yeah. and that was really really hard, you know, to digest. Yeah. So the baby was alive and stuff, but he had a heart disease. You know, like the heart is supposed to have like a, a wall in the middle. You have like two sections, like two hemispheres in, in your heart, and. He had just one hole. He was not closed mm. in there. So we had a choice basically to either carry on with a pregnancy. And the doctor told us like, you're going to spend two years in the hospital and the baby is going to have 10 or 15 surgery to fix everything that has to be fixed. The chances of survival at birth were less than 50%. Wow. And even if he was alive after birth, we would have to go through, like I said, like more than 10 surgeries to fix the heart, to fix the bones, to fix some teeth, yeah. to fix the um, rib cage was really small. So the, the lungs were really small. So he would have like respiration issues and everything. It was just like the list was honestly like endless. So we, we were asked if we wanted to carry on with a pregnancy or to have an abortion. Um, in France, when you have like medical issues like that, this is something that's possible even when it's quite late. Mm -hmm. uh, so by the time she was... 24, 25 weeks pregnant. So the baby was a pretty decent size, you know, uh, yeah. already like it's, it's, it's not a small thing anymore. Yeah. So it, it took a while. We see it took a lot of discussions and everything, but eventually we both agreed that that was what we wanted to do. I was going to say the right thing to do, but I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just yeah. what we both wanted. I'm glad you said that uh, because I think issues like abortion get heavily heavily branded you know right or yeah. wrong i mean you i don't need to tell you the news lately in america it's a hot topic yeah. right now and but yeah like it's it's not right or wrong it's just a decision you made yeah like ultimately like, i don't know if it's right or wrong we'll never know anyway exactly i think i decided a bit quicker that i think that's what i wanted personally and she wanted also to have an abortion uh, she also decided that but something she said that in a sense, she didn't want to because she loved being pregnant. She loved to feel him kicking inside and everything. So mm -hmm. she wanted to keep going with the pregnancy just to have this feeling about it. Mm. And that was so hard on C2. I just can't even imagine like actually carrying it and then knowing that you had to get rid of it. But like, it's not that simple. You're no. attached to it. Now, the thing is also like, what would we rather do? Stop now? 
or maybe go through the entire pregnancy and the, the like i said the chances of survival were really low anyway so yeah. it was like what would be worse to stop now or to give birth to a dead baby you know at term or yeah. to have him dying in two months after all the surgery also do we want to go through two or three years of surgery with a baby you know when when your sister when a friend is getting you know surgery because they broke i don't know a finger or whatever it's stressful right mm-hmm. imagine when it's your little baby and that's going to be two years i i don't know how we would have been dealing with it you know like yeah. that's the truth it's, it's it is not something i wish to anyone honestly to have to make this decision it's it's really not easy and Luckily, like our families and friends were really supportive and everyone really understood what we were going through and, and they were all supportive about the decision that we took and everything, which obviously was really helpful. And, and also we were lucky to be in France with a really good healthcare system. Like some, yeah. We didn't pay anything. We had a really, really good care for everything and, and amazing doctors and nurses that took care of her and me the whole time and that was really amazing for that because they made it easier uh, obviously i can imagine that affected it affected both of you a lot obviously but for her like how how was her mental health after that so we had two different experiences really she was physically and emotionally not in a good shape because she has she had to give birth like really uh, oh wow so even physically, like she was in, in pain and she had all the consequences of her birth, but we didn't have the baby to go back home. <sighs> so that was really, really hard for her, like on all those levels. And she went through some really, really tough months. Uh, so that was in May 2017, <clears throat> on May 3rd. And for six months, like until October, she barely left the house. She was really... Mm, in a dark place understandably and and it took us to move to miami and that's also one of the reasons like miami came at the perfect timing because mm. moving to miami was a new chapter a new life and right. a new new everything a new birth and yeah everything and that that was life-changing for us because it was just at the right time it's what we needed but what was interesting is she was really depressed for months and everyone understood it and no judgment here or anything. Uh, everyone understood that she was going through something horrible and and she had all the care that she needed and everything. Um, it was hard for me because everyone was more worried about her than me. Right. And I I struggled because also I we were in France, so I had to take care of all the paperwork and we do like paperwork in France. Like just after the birth, like I had to go to the town hall, to city hall to declare the birth and the death. And <sighs> I can tell you that's fucking awkward because no one tells you, you about that you, kind of thing. Right. You go to the you go to the see the lady and you say, yes, so I'm I'm here to declare a birth. So she oh congrats. No, but also death. That's heavy. <laughs> no one's ready for it. No one could prepare you for that. So you don't want to <laughs> no. prepare for that sort of thing, first no. of all. Oh my no. God. As soon as we found out about the disease, she went to your doctor and she was off for whatever like she she was on sick leave for unlimited amount of time until everything is solved they only gave me a week are you serious I was like 
it's happening to both of us, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, she's carrying it, but it's the same here. So I went to see my doctor and I was like, I honestly don't care what you write on a paper, but I'm not going back. Like, I'm, I'm, I can't work. And luckily, I mean, I had amazing boss and honestly, they didn't care. They, they were super understanding. So it was all fine, but plenty of little things like that was... That's insane. You could really see the difference between the treatment of the mother and the father. And I, I get it, but when everyone calls up, you know, like, oh, how's Rosie? That's the first question. How's Rosie? People didn't really ask me how I was, you know? This happened before your gratitude class, right? So you weren't even really talking about your feelings anyway. Oh, and no. then all of a sudden you're experiencing all this trauma and you don't really, I can imagine you didn't know how to talk about it. No. And I didn't feel I had anyone to talk about it. I didn't want to talk to Rosie about it because she was so, she was such in a dark place that I didn't want yeah. to add anything on top of that. Also, so I was trying to protect her. I was, you know, trying to be strong and all those things that I've been told I should be doing. It sounds um, very lonely. It was hard. I mean, looking back at it, I'm not sure how I managed it, honestly. I, I had like one big breakdown. Hmm. Rosie went away for a week to see her parents eventually, I think in like, I don't know, July or August. So like two or three months after the, the abortion. And so I was alone. I went to see a friend for a weekend and I got drunk for the first time. Oh boy. And yeah, that's when it all came out. And actually I remember the trigger. We had lunch. We spent the whole afternoon drinking. We're supposed to have dinner. And I, I didn't know a few people at, at the party. And one guy, we just having small chat. One guy asked me like, oh, do you have, do you have a kid? And I said, no, because I didn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. but he's dead. Like, do I want to get into you? I don't, I don't, I don't know you. Someone I'm you don't the... even know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, even until to this day, I hate this question. Like I still don't know what's the right answer. Cause every time I say no, I feel bad towards my little boy. Cause I feel yeah. I'm kind of saying he doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, but how do you explain that to a stranger? You don't want to, I don't want to have yeah. to explain that every time. So, but even to this day, you know, it's, this is not a question I ask many people anymore. Like, oh, do you have a kid or whatever? Because I know that it's not a question that makes me comfortable anymore. Right. It's like when people ask you, do you want kids? It's like, why is that any of your business? Yeah. You know, like when you get into your 30s, if you're single, it's like, oh, you know, are you going to get married soon? Like yeah. All those things that I, I understand now after this experience that all those questions, maybe we should learn to put them aside because they're not necessary at all. Most of the time it's going to be all right but they can really hurt someone also. Why risk it? Yeah. Yeah. So that was in 2017? That 2017. That and at the end of the year, in December 2017, we moved to Miami. Okay. Um, we were waiting for the visa, but in November, we had a chat with Rosie and, and she basically told me, I need to leave. I can't live in this apartment anymore. Every time I cross the door, I have memories. I hate this place i need to get out so we either figure out about the visa and we move to miami or you quit your job we pack and we go somewhere but i need to get out yeah. so i called my manager and i told him we can't wait for the visa we need to come and they were amazing they told me okay may do your esta online and we'll figure out we basically sold everything in the apartment, 
find a tenant and and we left to Miami in like three weeks. That's three weeks? Pretty much, yeah. It was quick. I mean, it, staying would have been harder. It's it's obvious by the way you, you tell the story. It was though, maybe something bad would have happened, you know, so. I mean, not only are you leaving the life that you had, but you're leaving the life you could, you were preparing to have too. I mean, I keep saying I can't even imagine, but I can't even imagine what that must be like. No, yeah, it's, it's like just, seeing ghosts. Yeah, like we had plan. Like, where are we gonna put the the bed? You know, like yeah. everything. So everything in this apartment reminded us of what was missing, which was yeah. our little boy. So we just had to move on, and I was really blessed to have amazing boss and friends. Yeah, it sounds like you have really supportive people in your life. Yeah, they were amazing for that, honestly. And it's actually interesting because I didn't do it in purpose, but then we talked about it with Rosie and we left a week before Christmas. Oh, wow. Which was a tough decision also because it was like, are we staying for Christmas to spend time with the family and everything? And yeah. we both like, like, no, like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. And when we talked about it later, we didn't say that to each other at the time, but we didn't want to spend Christmas with family. Because that was mm. supposed to be the first Christmas with our baby. Opening oh, presents I didn't and even everything, think about right? that. We didn't want to celebrate Christmas. There was nothing to celebrate there. Because right. we would have seen my little cousins and everything opening presents and being happy and everything. And and since this day, Christmas is not the same for sure. Oh, of course now. not. But I think missing the first one was a good idea. So how soon after you moved to Miami did did things start to heal i guess um well the healing started quickly because we ended up in summertime in miami i mean in december miami is amazing we went oh, from yeah. like freezing cold france to a christmas on the beach for the first time so that was really what we needed just a fresh start right literally like we didn't know anyone everything was new the, the weather the situation the environment the culture the food the everything 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 so it was really good because we spent the first six months being tourists basically you know yeah. even before living there in a sense i think we didn't have a chance to think about it too much you know it didn't hurt that much anymore because we were distracted yeah. uh, but we needed that honestly it's not like we wanted to avoid the pain but in a right. sense that it was needed, you know, for, for our sanity, honestly, because we would have gone crazy otherwise. Yeah, I think in that situation, that was distraction was just what you needed. Yeah. It's like jumping into a pool of cold, freezing water, you know? Yeah, sometimes it's what you need, I yeah. think. And, and after a few months when we kind of found a new rhythm and started to find friends and feel settled there, that we started to talk about it and... And also to make plan, like, are we going to try again? You know, mm -hmm. like, how, how do we see the future and everything? And nothing specific, you know, happened, like not a big event or whatever, but eventually yeah. we felt healed. Uh, and it's always going to be there. Like, of course. We, we're always going to remember, but I'm okay with it. Now. I've made, you know, peace with you it. you made peace with, with it, what yeah. happened. Yeah. Sometimes you just need time. And there are those days, you know, the... The anniversary, the day of the funeral, the the day where we were due, uh, those time were always shit. Like clearly, you know, it's always like, oh, it should be, oh, so back to school is pretty hard as well. Yeah. Or oh, it should be in first grade, second grade, whatever. It's never gonna. Time. It's so, never gonna leave you. So always, yeah, little thing like that, you know, little reminders. Right. Or 
some friends that had a kid exactly at the same time, like, oh, he should be exactly the same size and playing with them, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we have reminders, but after, you know, it's life and it, it sucks, but yeah, it's, it is what it is at some point. It's just, I accepted it now. Right. How does she feel about having a kid eventually, you know? I would be nervous about it after that. So we actually tried again twice. So in 2018, nothing happened. In 2019, we started to talk about it again. And she was ready before I was. I wasn't ready personally for many reasons. Like I was enjoying our life in Miami and just I wasn't ready at all. I didn't feel it. It didn't feel right. Uh, eventually we decided to try again at the end of 2019 and she got pregnant i think it was in october or november time we didn't know anything about the healthcare system in america i was going to ask you about that the price the culture and also because we have this thing so we need to be followed you know like we need to make sure that we don't have the disease showing up again so we need yeah. way more tests than everything so we went to see some doctors to explain the situation what should we do and stuff like that so before we actually started we we saw a lot of people to really just understand if it was possible and see to have a kid over there right. in such a different environment and eventually we thought it was okay so we felt safe to do it and we went for a week in cuba for my birthday and she had another miscarriage in Cuba. Oh. This is going to sound stupid what I'm going to say, but Cuba is not a good place to have a miscarriage. Out of all the places you want to have a miscarriage, Cuba is not because finding the necessities that you need when you have a miscarriage, damn hard. It's scary. Finding pads for a woman, okay, when you have your periods yeah. coming and everything. Yeah. We, had, we spent three hours in Havana, the capital, trying to find a shop that was selling some. What did they do? Tampons? Not even nice. Just so hard to find. It's so expensive for them. And it's just a bunch of shops that sell them. Honestly, like it's like finding those amazing stuff. We, we literally spent like two hours walking around. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. It was a nightmare by itself, but being over there was even worse. Honestly. Like rubbing salt in your wounds. It was so bad, so bad. And that was so hard as well. It was literally on the second day, I think, of our 10 days vacation. And it's like, what do we do? Right now, we just want to cry. We just want to punch the wall. We just want to be upset. We just want to be annoyed. We just... So we did spend the whole afternoon crying and screaming and right. being upset. And at, at, at the end, uh, we had a shame. It was like, it sucks. It happened. But we still have eight days or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are we just staying here in bed crying for eight days or we enjoy it i mean it's still gonna suck it's still gonna be painful we might as well try to have a nice time you two are both so strong i just want to say i mean (laughs) i don't even know how i would i just can't imagine that and i think the fact that you are owning your emotions and talking about it like that makes me see you as even stronger i think communication was Kiwi, like we we've always been super communicative between us. We have a really strong connection. Honestly, uh, we talk about everything, and more than husband and wife, like we are like best friends and and everything. And we wouldn't have this 
bond, I think like maybe things would have gotten messy, you know? Right. Um, but we kind of complete each other in some aspects of our lives in emotions and and clearly like i think we survived this because communication is here between us and right. uh, and we understand each other and clearly i think one of the main factor and yeah so we spent the last week in cuba came back we decided to try again in 2020 and again another miscarriage hmm. and i've got to say also like the the three miscarriages are totally different with different timing different reasons even if we don't really know the reason but always like a different experience like physically also for her and stuff like that um that actually surprises me i mean people don't talk about it no, no one talks about it no but it's happening so many times and also like we've been reading you know now and watching videos and reading blog posts and everything and it's happening to so many people yeah uh any abortion as well you know that like we it, it took us a while but when we decided to speak about it about the abortion to people and to do a podcast about it and everything i'm uh, afraid what it, you're gonna say <laughs> it, it was really hard no but actually you know why we were surprised to how many friends people that we knew came to tell us, oh, I had an abortion as well, but I've never told anyone before. But I feel safe to tell you because you went through it, so you're not going to judge me, you know? Um, wow. It's happening to so many people. I'm sure anyone listening knows a person who, who had an abortion. Oh, at least one. About it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't I don't want to talk about politics on here, but I it no, just makes me no. so angry. People don't consider the feelings. They, they make generalizations about people who get abortions. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, I, I look at like you and your wife, you wanted that baby more than anything. Yeah. And you really thought about it and it wasn't an easy decision. I hope no one, I hope no one has to make that decision that you made. And so thank you for sharing that story. I think it is important to talk about it and to just not normalize it, but uh, destigmatize it. Yeah. That's the right word. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 it's something way more than we think. And I mean, and don't even speak about miscarriages cause that's, Oh, right. To a lot of people. Right. But again, we don't talk about it. And it's interesting. I I, I don't know why, actually, because I think it's shame. Totally. I think I, I think it's because we are educated slash conditioned in a way that if we don't check the boxes of the normal life, we are gonna be seen as failure or weird or whatever name you want to put there yeah so if when you are about 30 or something like that you are not married and you don't have a child and stuff like that you, you you're gonna get a label soon you're gonna be looked differently by people oh yeah i'm i'm turning 30 soon and i have two cats and i already have been labeled the crazy cat lady <laughs> who's never getting married yeah you know? and, and it's sad because i think it's putting a lot of pressure on people and well, when you want to get pregnant, stress you know, is not helping for a start. Yeah. And and people don't talk about it because a lot of people think they're going to be judged because they can't have a child or because they, you know, something is wrong with them, whatever story comes up. Um, yeah. But I think it's just because of the way society is educating us and stuff like that. I have a couple of questions. Um, firstly, what... What is some one thing you wish other people would know about 
you and your wife situation? Like, is there is there something you encountered time and time again that you just you got tired of talking about it? It's interesting actually because when we moved to Miami, we were happy that people didn't know that we had an abortion because we were not labeled as or the other couple that are trying to have a kid, but they can't. Because, you know, like when you have friends here, family, even if everyone is supportive, people talk, okay? People of course. make judgment. And even yeah. if you don't say it on your face, they talk about you. And and you get this label eventually. And we felt it. We felt different. We felt that people are behaving differently around us, not talking about this and that because we don't want to upset them. Right. And moving to Miami was good people's, because people didn't know our story. So we didn't have this, this thing. But actually, I think that was a, a, a mistake when I look at it because since we've been more vocal, since we told people, we are getting so much support and encouragement and, and actually being like well done for speaking about it because it has to be spoken about and everything. So It does, but that doesn't make it easy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's yeah. <laughs> if you could tell your younger selves anything, having lived through the nightmare that you did and gone through all this like what is something you would tell your younger selves or maybe tell someone who's going through the same struggle i'd say pick your close circle very carefully be supported be surrounded by people that love you no matter what and are supporting you no matter what and don't have expectation about people because you're gonna be disappointed probably and also what i've learned from all that is Stop making assumptions about other people's lives because you have no idea what's going on in their life and words are really powerful. Mm-hmm. You'd never know what can trigger someone. You have no clue. It can be a little thing that seems so insignificant, but it can be devastating for someone and you have no idea. So be extremely careful when you ask questions, when you speak, because you really never know how you're going to impact someone else's life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I I know we haven't even talked about your podcast yet. I want to tell pe- <laughs> I want to tell people where they can find you. The best place would be Instagram. That's where I'm the most active personally, and for the podcast as well. So my personal Instagram would be Jeremy Andre underscore fr. So that's J E R E M I E A N D R E underscore fr, and the podcast is called Just Interesting People because we just talk to interesting people. (laughs) If there's anything I've learned through podcasting, it's that everyone's interesting. I I feel like you should call it just beautiful people. Because I looked at your website and all your guests are like models. What? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone should go should go check it out because yeah, you just interview interesting people around the world and it's great. Normal people. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy. And and I know Rosie isn't on right now, but tell her thank you too, because uh, it's important to talk about it. And And thank you for listening. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have a good rest of your day and thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pickles and Vodka. If you could relate to anything we talked about, you can follow the podcast at Pickles and Vodka Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook by typing in Pickles and Vodka Podcast. You can also email me at Pickles and Vodka Podcast at gmail.com if you have any stories or if you just want to say hi. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe.